Welcome to Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann, head of Charles Ashley Mann Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Mann, I hope you had a nice 4th of July yesterday. How are you doing today? Doing good. You know, it's my son's birthday. He's uh, turning, my youngest son's turning 11. So it uh, seemed like yesterday he was born. So he couldn't uh, stand uh, the fireworks and the party. So he, he came on July 5th. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Well, happy birthday to him. And that's, uh, uh, you know, I wish he could have had probably the birthday that he wanted. We're, we're not in quarantine, but, um, you know, we make do with what we, we've got. We got to make do with what we have. No fireworks this year in Raleigh. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, our traditional July 4th, but there was a lot going off in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I, everyone seemed to make up for the city of Raleigh <laughs> not having fireworks. Everyone else kind of, I don't know, chipped in and did their part, which was, uh, which was fun to see and hear. Well, Dr. Mann, let's get to our topic at hand for today. And we're going to be talking about sleep apnea and breathing disorders in adults. And we just talked about sleep breathing disorders in toddlers and children a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, this is something that obviously, if it's not treated as a child, will persist until you're an adult. Dr. Mann, tell us about sleep breathing disorders in adults. I'm glad you brought that up because as we were talking about, if you don't um, get the proper development of your jaw um, as a young individual, you will end up probably with sleep apnea sometime in your life. And that is in the adult uh, hood. If you don't uh, develop it early on and continue to keep it. Um, but uh, adults uh, basically – there are three things that adult uh, sleep breathing disorders that we look for in our dental office and, and screen for. And the biggest one is um, sleep apnea or obstructive sleep apnea. And uh, that is when the back of your uh, airway closes off. And that can happen in many ways. You could either, your tongue can settle back while you're sleeping and that causes the vacuum to close your, uh, your air off. Um, you could have actually a, a message from your brain that tells you to stop breathing. That's called central uh, sleep apnea or central obstructive sleep apnea. And then um, a, a little bit less, but still no uh, less important as far as overall health implication is hypopnea. And hypopnea is when your airway narrows and you're not getting enough air, but you're still getting air. And what this basically does is, all, all three of these decrease your oxygen saturation in your blood. And all of your cells in your body have to have a certain amount of oxygen to live. And as you know, you know it, it, it has to happen very rapidly or else you know, we die. Our brain cells, our heart cells, all those things have to have oxygen to live. Water and oxygen are key for cells. And so when those uh, oxygen levels drop, our body knows that. And so we know our brain has a protection mechanism that sends to us to either A, go from a deep restful sleep into a light sleep, or it'll actually make us wake up completely um, so that we take a deep breath. And that deep breath is uh, an air full of oxygen that's going to resaturate our lungs and help get oxygen to in our blood so that those cells can survive. And so, it's really a survival mechanism, these sleep breathing disorders, because if you don't breathe, 
while you're sleeping or your breathing stops, your body's going to um, counteract and wake you up, which means what? That means you're not getting good sleep. Yeah, and that's a really cool look behind the science of sleep apnea. But how does that manifest? What are some of the signs and symptoms that might show us that we have sleep apnea? Well, the first thing that you want to look at, look for is heavy snoring. I mean, if you're a heavy snorer, you have someone in your family that's a heavy snorer, there's a great probability they have some form of sleep apnea or sleep hypopnea. Basically, snoring is when that uh, salt tissue in the back of your throat is closed off or narrowed and the air is being forced over that and that salt tissue is vibrating. So when that vibration occurs, um, the snoring sounds occur. Um, and some people have asked me, well, wonder if it's really heavy. Does that mean it's worse or is it really light? No, I've had really light snores that had severe apnea and some that had um, really heavy snoring that, that had mild or moderate apnea. But I will say that snoring is one of the telltale signs and probably the most um, of any uh, sign that you can have that, that you have sleep apnea. The other ones are if you're choking or gasping. So you probably won't notice it, but you may uh, cough waking up. But, uh, you know, your spouse or someone that's uh, sleeping with you or can hear you from uh, another room, they're going to notice if you're choking throughout the night and waking up and gasping. That's another telltale sign. Um, another sign, if you don't have a spouse and you don't have anybody that you're sleeping uh, near that can hear you, um, and again, you can record yourself nowadays with your iPhone or whatever if you feel like uh, you may be doing that. But daytime fatigue and sleepiness is one of the other big signs. If you feel like you're going to bed and you're getting eight hours of sleep or more and you still feel sleepy during the day, you more than likely have some form of hypopnea or sleep apnea. That's the first thing that I would say that you have um, uh, by uh, if you're looking into why you're, you're feeling that way. A lot of people can contribute it to hormones and things like that, but now studies are showing that usually um, it's, it's, it's a form of sleep apnea or some sleep breathing disorder. Um, some other non-common but still common ones are morning headaches, um, Nocturia, which means you're waking up a lot to go to the bathroom during the night. So just like you're waking up, when you wake up from that sleep to breathe, you know, oh, wow, I have to pee. So you just wake up and, and pee. Well, if you're not waking up and you're in deep sleep, you won't have that urge. That urge will not take over because your brain won't tell you to get up and go use the bathroom. Um, difficulty concentrating is another big one. If you're having a difficulty concentrating um, on a regular basis, We've seen this in young kids, ADHD. That also can be a sign in adults. Um, memory loss. If you're uh, you know, having memory loss and you're not in your elderly years, you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, that's very uncommon. Um, so memory loss. And then last but not least, irritability. If you're irritable all the time and you're normally a happy person, um, that could also be a sign. A lack of sleep makes people irritable. So Really, these are the underlying symptoms of the fact that you're getting a lack of sleep. 
Yeah, and that's uh, things that we need to be aware of and to look out for. If you're experiencing any of those symptoms, might be a great time to schedule an appointment to see Dr. Mann. We're going to get into diagnosis and treatment and uh, some of the causes that uh, untreated sleep apnea can get into, and it's, it's not fun stuff. So schedule an appointment to see, a doc- to see Dr. Mann if you're experiencing some of these symptoms, or maybe it's been a while since you've had a regular checkup. Go online to smileman.com. Dot com. That's man with two N's, smileman.com. You can also call 919-462-9338, 919-462-9338 to schedule an appointment to see Dr. Man. He's got three wonderful locations, one in Cary, one in Garner, and the other in Fuquay. A quick break and back with more on the subject of sleep apnea and sleep breathing disorders right after this. You're listening to Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. You're listening to Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, Traffic. Jason Kong here with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann, head of Charles Ashley Mann Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. We talk all about how having a healthy mouth can lead to having a healthy overall body and overall health. Uh, Dr. Mann, we're continuing to do this program uh, via social distance. I'm in one location, you're in another, and we're going to continue to do that until uh, we can safely all be back in the studio, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to doing, but you know, hey, until then, we'll we'll continue to do our part, and we'll uh, we'll do these things remotely, and that's that's just fine, Doctor Man, because we're talking all about sleep apnea and sleep breathing disorders here today. And uh, Doctor Man, you went over the science behind sleep breathing disorders and what causes them in our body, and also signs and symptoms that we should look out for. Uh, I want to get into the risk factors of sleep apnea. What happens if uh, we, we ignore sleep apnea, Dr. Mann? Well, the risk factors um, are many. Um, and when, I, when we talk about risk factors, there's two things. There's one, uh, what are some of the risks that you currently have that create sleep apnea? And then what are the risks if you don't treat it? Well, some of the risk factors for sleep apnea is obesity. So, if you're obese, um, there's a great chance that you have some form of sleep apnea. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, once you become obese, you put a uh, severe pressure on the um, neck area because there's a lot of uh, uh, fat tissue that's deposited there. And that in turn would cause that, uh, uh, the throat area to collapse. And so we see that uh, obesity uh, is one of the highest risk factors for sleep apnea. And along with that comes a large neck size. So you may be uh, just uh, genetically uh, born with a very large neck, but you're not obese. That can also be a risk factor because a larger neck can put pressure against the back of your throat area and create a narrow uh, airway and then the airway, um, a narrow airway leads to the sleep apnea. Um, Believe it or not, another risk factor is uh, middle-aged men. Men are more prominent um, of getting sleep apnea than women. And I'm sure we've heard about the whole snoring thing. And mostly it's women that complain that their spouse is snoring. And the reason for that is that men are about twice as likely to get it than women, which is uh, not, you know, not necessarily um, sure why. We, we haven't really figured that out because 
the obesity levels in both female and male um, are similar. So, but if you're obese and you're a man, you're probably more likely to get it than if you're obese or you're a woman. However, women do still have a great risk of getting it if they're obese. Um, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, that's another uh, something that we see that goes hand in hand with sleep apnea. And um, as you said, it's the risk factor because if you have hyper, uh, excuse me, um, sleep apnea, more than likely you're going to have hypertension. And some people have treated their hypertension already with drugs before they even know they have sleep apnea. I really think that one of the tests that should be done for pretty much everybody that has hypertension, that comes in with hypertension, is a sleep apnea test. We have take-home tests now that are easy. But before you put someone on drugs to treat hypertension, why not find out if sleep apnea is causing hypertension? That would be something that I would uh, rather uh, look at and treat than putting someone on a drug because you're kind of putting a Band-Aid on the fact that someone might have sleep apnea that's causing hypertension. So that is a risk, co-risk factor of, hey, if you have hypertension and it's treated uh, with drugs and your dr blood pressure is um, normal, you still may have sleep apnea. Um, the other thing is a family history. If you have a family history of someone having sleep apnea, you do have an increased risk for it. Not only is lifestyle, but also the genetic uh, makeup of your, of your body, your build, your, your jaw profile, things like that can also increase your risk for having sleep apnea. Now, the other uh, question that you asked, Jason, was what is the risk factor if I don't get it treated? Well, if you don't get it treated, there's a lot of risk factors. One, we talked about hypertension. Hypertension leads to an increased risk for cardio um, issues. The a lack of oxygen in itself can cause your heart rate to increase, which can increase the chances of a cardiac event. High blood pressure also increases your risk for stroke. So you can have an increased risk for a stroke and embolism, things like that. Um, increased risk for um, diabetes. Uh, we also are seeing some uh, studies are coming out uh, with the memory loss things that there might be an increased risk of Alzheimer's. Um, that hasn't been um, uh, enough studies done to coincide, but they, they do know that there is memory loss associated with sleep apnea um, due to the lack of oxygen that our brain gets when we're having sleep apnea. And then also acid reflux. If you're someone that has chronic acid reflux, there's a chance that it may be caused by sleep apnea. So if you have a multiple symptoms plus acid reflux, it might be something that you want to look into. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite apparent how pivotal sleep is in our overall health doctor man because if we're not getting great sleep you see all these potential effects that it could have on our bodies and uh, other issues that it could cause um, we've got a lot to cover here dr man so i i'd love to continue on that point but i want to ask you how is someone diagnosed so let's say uh, we've recognized some of these symptoms uh what's what's the next step well there's only one way to be diagnosed and that is you have to have a sleep study. And there's two forms of sleep studies. Um, one, the simple study, and people ask me why, all the time, as a dentist, how, why are you um, involved with sleep apnea? Well, we see patients more often than their general physician. We take blood pressures on every patient that come into our office. We, uh, we actually take x-rays that can show uh, if a person has a narrow airway. We also screen for sleep apnea. So but if we, if we realize that someone has the signs and symptoms, we can't just go from that screening and say, hey, you have sleep apnea. 
we actually have to have a test. And a take-home test is what we present in our office. And the person takes it home, and they wear it for two nights, and then they send it back to our office. And then we have a um, sleep cardiologist, Dr. Serkin. He's down in Greenville, North Carolina, at the ECU Medical School. And he reads all of our sleep studies. And he, he um, actually generates a, a report. And then we bring the patient back in and we go over that report. And you either have no apnea, you have mild apnea, moderate apnea, or severe apnea. And those really are the three diagnoses. Now, the other way you can get diagnosed is you can go to a sleep center and sleep overnight. Those are more involved um, sleep studies. Um, they can determine if you're uh, grinding your teeth heavily, if you have insomnia, um, if you have restless leg syndrome. Um, they can they can actually get a lot more data um, than say the take home one, but the take home take home is very sufficient in determining if someone has sleep apnea. But whichever one um, that someone feels comfortable doing, that is really the only way to get a definitive diagnosis that someone has sleep apnea. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting subject, and Dr. Mann, I've got a lot more questions for you about treatment and uh, also about CPAP. I'm sure a lot of folks who are familiar with CAP, with sleep apnea know what CPAP is, but I've got questions related to that, and we will get to that in just a minute. I want to remind everyone, if you want to schedule an appointment to see Dr. Mann, maybe you're recognizing some of these symptoms or some of the risk factors that we've discussed on the program so far, schedule an appointment to see Dr. Mann. You want to get checked out, go to smileman.com. That's man with two N's, smileman.com. You can also call 919-462-9338, 919-462-9338 to schedule an appointment. Or if you have general questions, that's a great number to call. Uh, back with more right after this, you're listening to Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann. I'm Jason Kong. He's Dr. Charles Ashley Mann, head of Charles Ashley Mann Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And today we're talking all about sleep apnea and sleep breathing disorders in adults. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on this 4th of July weekend. And Dr. Mann, I've got a lot of questions to cram into this last segment, so I'm going to Go ahead and do that here. Uh, let's let's talk about someone who's been diagnosed with sleep apnea. How is it treated, and what options do they have? Well, as I said, you know, you either have mild, moderate, or severe apnea. And there's two forms of sleep apnea that we talked about earlier. There's obstructive sleep apnea, and then there's central sleep apnea. If you have central sleep apnea, that is a message just being sent from your brain to stop breathing. And um, there's only one way to treat that, and that's with what we call a CPAP. And a CPAP is basically a machine that delivers constant airflow through your nose and your uh, mouth. And that allows your airway to stay open so that it doesn't collapse. Now, obstructive sleep ap apnea, which is the most common, that um, can be treated in, in different ways. Um, first of all, if you have mild or moderate sleep apnea, you have two choices. You can either use a CPAP or you can use what we call a mandibular advancement device. 
And it's much like a mouthpiece, a mouth guard that you wear that holds your lower jaw or your lower mandible forward. And what that does is that allows your tongue to move forward and allows your tongue more room. It also tightens that tissue in the back of your throat so that it doesn't collapse, so that you're getting plenty of air. Um, and again, you also have the option with mild or moderate uh, obstruction, uh, sleep apnea, to use the CPAP. Um, I will say um, that the CPAP is about a 50% compliance rate with the CPAP. There's about an 85% compliance rate with the mandatory advancement device. And people ask me all the time, why is that? Well, CPAPs, you have to put them on and then you have to be ready for bed. They also make a noise. They also are a mask that we put over our face that um, people, if they're claustrophobic, don't like. And also the constant, constant airflow can drive people's mouth out and their nose and they don't like it. So we don't see as much compliance with those. Um, they have started to make them a lot more comfortable with BiPAPs. That means that the airflow doesn't have to be as strong. Um, but in general, we don't see the, um, the compliance rate that we need to see because all these people that, that have been um, diagnosed with that need to be treated. And if you're not using your CPAP, you're not being treated. There is a, um, a third one, which, which is uh, severe apnea. We usually like to start people off with a CPAP um, with severe apnea. However, I've treated quite a few people in my practice with severe apnea that refused to wear a CPAP with, um, with a manner advancement device with great, great um, um, uh, results. We, we uh, got their apnea to near zero. So um, those are your two main. There are some other things out there. There's surgery, which is very invasive. You can, um, if, if, if we find that your lower jaw is uh, retruded or back further, um, you can have jaw surgery to move that jaw forward to allow for more room for your tongue and your airway. Um, that's a very invasive, expensive surgery. Um, there also is a, um, an implant that they're starting to use in testing that, um, that actually uh, sends like electrical pulses to keep that tissue and that airway open. Um, I haven't seen enough research personally on it to say that I would recommend it, but we will have to wait and see. Um, I don't think that, it, that, that it's been being used often or enough and hasn't been studied enough to really, um, for me to feel comfortable uh, to tell my patients to, to um, go and, uh, and try them until we see further studies. But they, it is an option for the patients if they want to pursue it. Um, but those are the main ways to treat apnea. Well, it's good to know that there are several options when it comes to treatment and, you know, depending on uh, how invasive you want to get with your treatment, you have, a, a, you know, from very, very non-invasive to very invasive options for you. Dr. Mann, does dental insurance cover sleep apnea procedures? Well, it doesn't. Um, sleep apnea is a medical condition. And so your medical insurance will usually cover sleep apnea. Uh, once you're diagnosed with sleep apnea. Um, and um, that's a good thing. And, and, and they will cover a CPAP, and they will also um, cover the mandibular advancement device. Um, if you do have severe sleep apnea, uh, your medical insurance will require that you try the CPAP first before you move to a mandibular advancement device. I haven't really understood that because it seems to me it's a waste of money. Someone knows that they can't use a CPAP because they tried it or and or they're claustrophobic, 
um, and or they just know they won't be, a, you know, never use it. I don't see why they wouldn't allow someone um, to go straight into a mandatory advancement device with severe sleep apnea. But we have to follow the guidelines. And But they do a, a really good job of covering it through the medical. Um, most people do um, have a large, larger deductible since Obamacare um, uh, started. So you do have to meet that deductible first uh, with your medical. But I will tell you, it is a small price to pay um, to get it treated. Because if you don't get sleep apnea treated, you will have some comorbidity later in life. And I'll be honest with you, I've had th uh, two patients so far that have actually had strokes and died because they didn't use their CPAP. Um, they dropped dead from brain aneurysms. So um, it's not anything to uh, really uh, play around with. If you've been diagnosed, you don't use your CPAP, um, you really should think about looking into getting one of these mandibular advancement devices or start using your CPAP again because it is uh, something that you don't want to, um, uh, to, to ignore because it, will, it could lead to an early death. That's great advice because the risks can certainly be severe. Uh, if you want to schedule an appointment to see Dr. Mann, go online to smileman.com. Man with two N's, smileman.com. There you can view all the services that Dr. Mann provides. You can also book an appointment. And if you would like to call, you can call 919-462-9338. 919-462-9338 to schedule an appointment at one of Dr. Mann's three locations, one in Garner, one in Fuquay, and one in Cary. Dr. Mann, what do we have on tap for next week? Well, the summertime is here and uh, college is approaching. So we're going to talk a little bit about all those uh, people out there that need to get their wisdom teeth removed. That's a common uh, question that we have. And so we're going to talk about um, wisdom teeth removal and the, what, what is involved with that. Uh, it brings me back to, to my college days, the old wisdom teeth removal. I look forward to that program next week. We hope you'll join us 4.30 on Sunday for Teeth Talk with Dr. Charles Ashley Mann right here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend.